Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. My name is Jaquel Lane and this is Education with an Edge, the podcast where every child matters because that's what we believe and you should too. They are our future. I am so very honored to have our guest, Kathy Skurlock, today on the podcast. Kathy is a phenomenal teacher. She is someone to look up to and someone that students and teachers alike admire. She is an advocate on the Omaha Education Association and is changing lives and policies for teachers all over the state of Nebraska. And she is also a rock star Spanish teacher and a former veteran. We are going to hear about her experience in education today, and you are not going to want to miss it. Where are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about your family and about how you grew up? I am a native of Omaha, North Omaha. Um, I'm the youngest of seven children. Um, Four of us kind of grew up together. My other three older siblings were already um, grown up and out of the house by the time I arrived. Um, I feel like we lived in a pretty diverse neighborhood, um, but I even though I interacted with children my age um, on my block or in my neighborhood, um, I could have done better at connecting to have more diverse experiences. I went to a private uh, Lutheran school, K through eight, and then I went to Omaha North High School, public school for high school, and that was a huge culture shock for me. Um, I guess not as huge as for some people who maybe didn't live in a diverse neighborhood. So living in a diverse neighborhood definitely helped my transition to high school. Um, Let's see, as a young child, I loved to dance. My parents um, took us with them. They taught round dancing lessons, as well as they participated in round dancing and square dancing clubs around Omaha and um, Eastern Iowa. So I love to dance. Um, I, I, I prefer uh, salsa and Latin dancing now as I've gotten older, although I feel like I don't get to do it enough. Are there salsa, are there, I would love to do that. There was in Lincoln, that's why I'm asking, but are there salsa clubs here? Um, yes, when clubs are open, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, there was one uh, that I knew the, like, um, I don't know, owner, the leader of the club. Uh, they yeah. participated in a different location. Um, but I knew them from when I was in my undergrad back in early 2000s, um, and they still are holding salsa classes around Omaha, and um, there are other places to go out salsa dancing. I just, my husband doesn't dance. He did, Well, he doesn't salsa dance or Latin dance, so. <laughs> I heard that. I know. I know. I, it's a cool, I mean, my girlfriends and I did it like in college and, and honestly, we did it on like a whim. We like, we're looking for something fun to do and it's the most fun. So that, mm-hmm. that's super cool that you do that. That's neat. So if someone were to ask you, um, you know, and being a, being teachers, we're always asked about uh, how are we impacting our students and are we trying to have a lasting impact and um, what can we do to 
you know, really impact our students in a positive way. So if you were to look back on your uh, childhood experience, who would you say uh, impacted you or who was like a mentor? And it can be anybody. It can be anyone from a family member to someone in your church to a teacher to a coach to anyone. Um, and it can definitely be more than one. Um, okay, well, I thought mainly about teachers, so I'll have to see if I have any ideas of other people that were not teachers or coaches. I really didn't have a lot of, like, coaches. I didn't participate in yeah. sports, really, when I was younger. Um, yeah, so I guess most of my inspiration as far as teaching goes comes from teachers. So I'm going to start way back in the beginning, literally the beginning, when I first started school in kindergarten, first grade, um, at my parochial school, Miss Bauman. I remember Aww. her name. Um, and I would just say that she made an impact on me just because it was, um, it was good to see a woman teacher at the time. I did not realize or think of it in that way. It's like, oh, well, you know, there's male teachers and then there's female teachers and, but I don't see very many female teachers, but in the school, um, there were really only three classes for K through eight. And like, for example, kindergarten and through third grade, we're in one class with Ms. Bauman. Um, and. Oh, no, second grade. Um, and so the other two teachers were male teachers. So she was probably my first that I that made an impact because I just remember, you know, being inspired by having a female teacher. In high school, I had a couple, Mr. Lee, who now is the um, principal of Northwest High School. He was my high school, I think, social studies teacher. <laughs> awesome. I remember having him as a teacher, and, and he just had a positive attitude and really tried to... Um, uplift a lot of students and everybody and had always like said hello and um, yeah very positive and um, positive in how he redirected too yeah. I mean I don't ever remember feeling you know like I was ever being chastised by him if I ever did anything incorrectly or that needed to be corrected you know um, I felt like he did it in a very uh, fair and positive way um, and then also from high school, my one of my Spanish teachers, Miss Buzon, um, she was originally from, or her family was from Cuba. Um, she took us to Spain my senior year, so she was the one that introduced me to traveling outside of the United States, um, and it was really awesome. We spent two weeks, um, and of the 14 days, five of them, a couple at the beginning and a couple at the end were on our own with just Ms. Buzon. And then the, in the middle was with a tour group and others, other uh, groups of students. So it was really good to be taken around and shown things. And she had friends um, in a lot of places. So she really knew the area, even though she wasn't from Spain. Um, moving on to college, um, Dr. Robinson, I believe it's Cynthia Robinson, hope I don't get her name wrong. She was my uh, Black Studies professor at UNO. And although um, being a white woman and at the time not understanding my privilege, um, I remember being uncomfortable in the Black Studies class, but I am I'm glad that I took that class. And I think that that started really opening up my eyes to um, see and understand race better in society. So yeah. Um, also in my uh, master's, um, uh, I think she was a doctor or had her PhD, but Gigi Brignoni, 
Um, oh. She passed away uh, quite a few years ago um, from cancer, but um, I had her as a professor when I got my bilingual education certification. Um, and just, I felt like she really inspired us teachers to kind of um, look within ourselves and reflect more on what we wanted to be as teachers and how we wanted to um, inspire students or guide students through the learning process rather than just giving information or facts out to kids. Um, and then more recently, Dr. Janine Tyler, she was the World Language Supervisor for the state of Nebraska at Department of Education um, and is now another, uh, is a Spanish teacher, I forget what school, but um, during her time as the World Language Supervisor, um, she helped me to connect my ESL endorsement and background to world language. It was at a time when I was switching from being an ESL teacher to being a Spanish teacher. Um, and so she helped me make that connection and she gave me the opportunity to go with a group of other teachers to go to Denver and observe teachers who were teaching for proficiency and teaching with comprehensible input not focused on a textbook or grammar points or vocabulary. Um, and that's really important, I think, in, in how I teach language to my students that, you know, I focus on them wanting to be able to use the language and feel comfortable understanding the language, even in their first or second year of, of language learning. Because um, at the middle school, that's all, for many of them, that's where they're at. Um, so she really um, also helped me on my path to where I am today as a teacher. So I would say that those are probably the ones that came to my mind right as teachers who have had impacts in different ways on my uh, teaching and who I am as a person today. I love that. I love that. Um, Sorry, it was kind of long, but. <laughs> no, it's not long. This is perfect. I did want to touch on your time, I mean, being a female in the military and just to ask you about that. As far as being a female in the military, I don't feel like I was greatly looked at as being inferior or anything, but there probably was a little bit of that, like you're weaker or not as capable, um, and especially with my stature and being petite. I'm only five foot sometimes with an extra half inch <laughs> and barely a hundred pounds at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it was important for me to kind of, I was always feeling like I had to prove like I can do it. I yeah. have it. I, I can pull my own. I can do just as much as everybody else. Um, and I'm, I'm capable and I'm strong. I love that. Yeah. Do you think like that was a good experience? I mean, do you feel like that was a good experience though? And that time in your life was a good lesson to give you like more, not that you didn't have a lot of it to begin with, but like mm -hmm. encourage that grit mentality and like seeing things through. Um, De definitely. And definitely the independence. Because cool. like I said, I was the youngest of seven, yeah. the youngest of four that kind of grew up together in the home. And I was, I was like the baby and my yeah. they still call me the baby <laughs> of the family, even though I'm 43 years old, but right. that's okay. Now I find it endearing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it gave me an opportunity to find my independence, find my strength. Um, and yes, I definitely um, always try to encourage, well, since probably more recently, you know, I, I encourage it as an opportunity if they are comfortable with it. Because um, yeah. during the time that I was serving, we were not in any kind of conflict from 95 to 99. 
um, there were no conflicts. Um, the most, um, I don't want to say severe, but probably perhaps dangerous um, missions that soldiers would have gone on were, uh, there was Bosnia and it was just kind of going over and I think doing training yeah. with some Bosnians, but I, I never was deployed because um, I was a, um, that, that wasn't my job. Right. That wasn't my area of concentration, my focus. I was a, a, a language, I still worked with languages in the military when okay. I was in the army. So I learned Farsi. And so Bosnian yeah. and, and the languages they speak in Europe was not my focus. Yeah. yeah. But yes, definitely. That's, I would do it over. I would, I would do it again. Yeah. I think it opens doors for a lot. I mean, I think that um, it was not, you know, something that just on a personal note was, I mean, my father served and all of my, actually my grandfathers both served in Korea and Vietnam and, um, but it was not like talked about that I would ever go, but I think that it's, uh, I have, I have so many girlfriends and I, I wish that I would have at least looked into it because I think it opens your horizons and you get to travel. And I mean, there is a severe amount of responsibility, but I think that, um, for a lot of people, it's super positive is what I've learned and heard. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really neat. And, and it's important to have, you know, to make connections Yes. With people and have positive connections with people when you're there, um, wherever you're serving. I still have friendships with many of the people that I met when I was serving. And um, yeah, it's just you, guys, you can help each other through things. Yeah. And learning that like you can, and as you said, I love what you said about independence that, you know, um, it was just great to be able to be like, I can do this. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need anybody. I'm relying on myself and my new friends. And I think that that's important for young adults to do, you know? Um, so why language and what kind of like created your love of language and communication with different cultures? Ooh, well, I would say in high school, when I finally was able to take Spanish, because in my K-8 private school, language was not offered at all. Right. Um, and I started to see and learn about the Latino culture yes. um, and language that I wanted to know more. I was intrigued by learning about different cultures and different groups of people and people that were not like me, um, and I chose Spanish specifically because one of my two, one of my older sisters, um, she's about seven years older than me, was in high school at Central and had a, I don't know, honors night or something. And I just remember going into the Central's um, atrium area, the commons area, that's beautiful, and there was a table, and I don't know what they were doing, but I picked up a little tiny Spanish dictionary. Oh, I and I just it. thought it was the cutest thing. How cool. I was probably between seven and nine years old Aww. at the time. And I just thought it was like the cutest thing. And like, oh, I want to learn Spanish now. And so once I got to high school, um, I took Spanish all four years. Um, and then when I came back from the military, I continued with Spanish. Um, I wish I would have, you know, been able to use the Spanish when I was in the military, but they decided they wanted me to do a different language instead. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I love so, that though your story of the little because I'm interested I'm interested in people's um like life paths and the how like one little thing like you being a little girl and going to your siblings honors night or whatever and this little bible being there and then it kind of like that was the trajectory of your life like it was like meant to be kind of you know that you found that you were gravitate I mean you gravitated towards this little and then, and then think, I mean, it's just, it's fun to look back and be like, oh, you know, if, I mean, if they wouldn't have been there or if you wouldn't have, I mean, what was, what was like the impetus for that? It's kind of, that's cool. That's really cool. So then um, I decided to be a teacher probably very beginning of my undergrad. I babysat a lot when I was growing up um, and then I was a nanny when I first started my undergrad as a way to kind of supplement, have income. Um, And I kind of have always liked helping others. And um, so I kind of got into it at first because I wanted to help. And I see teachers as being helpers. Um, And also though, in the more recent years, um, it's more of a guide and a person to inspire um, I, you know, I was younger and so I kind of thought probably I had a little bit of a savior complex when I thought I could, you know, help all my students when actually what I wanted to do was just kind of guide them and, you know, help them in those other areas that as teachers we're now, you know, kind of required ask to help our students, even though we're not qualified to, um, but be more of a guide in, in their learning and their life journey of, of what do they want to do? What do they want to be? And, and what's it they want to know more about um yeah and i see myself as a constant student as well i love to learn i love to read and i learn from my students i learned about different cultures when i went as esl teacher um, i had students from sudan um, from southern sudan from kenya from somalia um, from I think Afghanistan even one year um, and then from Mexico and Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras and you know and and from Burma um, from Thailand so the Korean and Karini and, and Burmese Muslim students so I learned from those students as well and I continue to learn from my students today and they help to kind of inspire I hope I try to include them as much as possible in my teaching but as you know, a lot of times we're also tied to the curriculum that the district gives us. Um, so I try to find ways to make it connect to them. So I want to learn from them um, as I'm guiding them to think about, you know, other cultures or maybe perhaps even learn more about their own culture. If I have native Spanish speakers or stu- uh, students who have uh, Hispanic or Latino heritage. Absolutely. Well, and sometimes, unfortunately, um, as people immigrated to the United States, they sometimes, unfortunately, dependent upon um, the generation, like lost touch with their culture, right? I mean, or it was kind of looked at as like negative, or we want to maybe Americanize you more. And so how important the job that you're doing is that's encouraging and supporting those um, 
those students and finding, and I think all of us should do that. I mean, it, I think it plays a vital and important role in looking at our history and where we've come from. And that's probably why ancestry.com and all those things are making money hand over fist, right? Because we, we have a real desire to know where we came from and where our, our relatives came from and what they overcome, what they overcame. Um, and as you mentioned that, um, that's probably another reason why I was drawn to uh, learning Spanish and learning about other cultures is, is being a white Midwesterner. Um, yes, I know that there is a white Midwestern culture, but I didn't feel like I had, I did not see a def definite, finite, this is my culture, where I could look and find and learn about other cultures. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. makes sense? Yes, absolutely. 100%. 100%. That's awesome. Um, so in speaking of education, you've done quite a bit of traveling with your students um, every year. Could you talk about a specific trip or just... Um, not really quite a bit. This year was actually the first year. The first year? That, we, that I traveled to Puerto Rico oh, with what? a group of students. Can you talk about that experience though? And um, just how, I mean, what what you hope that the students learned and what you learned from that experience? I wanted the students just to get an experience that they may not have had before or may not have the opportunity to have anytime soon. And that was just, one, getting out of Omaha, getting out of Nebraska, getting out of the United States. Right. Um, even though we were, Puerto Rico is part of the United States, when I say getting out of the United States, I mean getting out of the continental yes. United States, being yes. able to go somewhere else yep. um, and to see experience, um, even though it was only for five, six days, um, what it's like, like, you know, to see the people and hopefully try to interact um, with some of the people, the locals, um, try the foods. That was awesome. Um, I think for the most part, all the students loved the Puerto Rican food that we tried, that we ate everywhere. I tried to encourage them, even sometimes when they had an opportunity to have like a hamburger or, or like a chicken, just plain chicken or chicken sandwich. I tried to encourage them to still try the, um, the local cuisine. Yes. And so a lot of them did and some of them they're like, okay, I tried it, not a big fan, or I didn't like it, but at least I tried it. Right. Um, and some of them just like loved it. And they, oh, I, I, I got to find out where to get this back home. <laughs> so, um, and then just seeing the different places and experiencing um, just the life down there. I, our, our tour guide, Naomi, was, was awesome. Um, and we partnered up with, we were on tour with another group, a high school group, and that was uh that was all right we the group was pretty good um i have been communicating with their their teacher um before the trip because fortunately i was able to get in contact with them um and so i felt more comfortable and they were really we did really well together middle schoolers and high schoolers um yeah very I, I wanted i would be planning and would have had some car washes already this summer for our next trip in the spring of 2021, if we didn't come home to the pandemic. Yeah. So hopefully 2022. Yes, yes. 
It'll be on. Where, where do you want to go in 2022? Um, I'll probably say, you know, go to Puerto Rico again because the, they don't need a passport. And to take middle schoolers somewhere where they need a passport, I'm still apprehensive about. Um, I would consider Costa Rica. Very cool. I love Costa Rica. I've been there. I have traveled a little bit extensively, not as much as I would like, but I, I have traveled myself or with my family um, and just recently started traveling with students because that was the first trip I took with students. Before that, any other like student trip I had been experienced with was when I went to Spain in 1995 as a high schooler. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, but that's, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's still risky, but it's awesome that you're willing to open students' horizons because as we know, the kids that we teach, a lot of them would not have that opportunity. And so it's also a great lesson, like with the car washes and things to teach kids work ethic and the fact that if you want to go somewhere and you want to do something collaboratively as a group, you work together and we get to go. So I love that learning lesson as well that you've kind of um, interwoven into that too. That's neat. That's very, very cool. Um, if you were to think about like, and I know it's hard to narrow down, but one student that just had a lasting impact on your life that you just saw enormous change in through your career, and I'm sure that there's several of them, but could you just talk a little bit about um, a, a student that just, you just saw such remarkable positive change in? I, I guess I would have to say Serene. Yeah. Um, she was a student of mine who was from Thailand refugee camps. She was, she is, um, Corinne. Mm -hmm. And she came here to the United States as a refugee with her husband and his family. So she was disconnected from her own family, um, even though she was here with her husband and his family. But it was a very um, abusive situation. And um, I, again, I think, you know, that part of being a teacher when it was at that time in my life where I still felt like I was there to help and kind of like maybe that savior type complex. Um, but I was, you know, I'd made connections with my students and um, I was probably one of the integral parts of helping her to get out of that relationship and go through her experiences. Um, she, it was just on her timeline uh, as a memory and mine too. She received her citizenship, oh her American God. citizenship. I want to say four or six years ago. I'll have to look, I would have to look back and see, but it, it, it's been a few years. I remember traveling up to driving by myself um, the four hours or so up to Minnesota to um, go with her to the swearing-in ceremony and to be part of that and that and now you know she's she's doing well she has her family um, of her own mm -hmm. um, and I think the last she was still working on helping her family migrate here from Thailand but I'd have to ask her where that process is at right now but yeah because we're still we're still in contact not as much 
um, probably as you know I should or I would like to yeah. be in contact with her. Um, but yeah, that's been that's been about eight years or so. That is amazing. That's an amazing. That's an amazing story of almost like full cycle of everything that you've studied and that you've accomplished and. And then to see something like that um, happen in somebody's life is pretty special. Um, so with that, then I ask you our final question, which is, you know, uh, let's just say tomorrow, uh, we won't go the morbid route. Let's just say tomorrow you decide to take a really amazing vacation to, you know, the most beautiful tropical destination you can think of. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, here on earth and what what do you want your students to remember you by or people to remember you by? Mm. That even though I'm not perfect and I know I make mistakes that I always try to do better. Yes. Um, I always try, strive to um, learn from my mistakes and then um, inspire others. I'm pretty humble. Um, I, I actually don't like, uh, you know, praising myself or pointing things out um, of my accomplishments. But, um, and then I like to have fun. Yeah. Um, even though I, I know I have a little bit serious personality at times, um, I like to have fun and I, I like to be goofy in my classroom because I feel like that just kind of maybe helps to bring down the, the, you know, stress barriers and the effective filters and that, you know, it's okay. I, I, I can't sing. I, I tell my students I am a bathroom shower singer or a car in my car. Maybe the window's up, maybe them down. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> singer, but I sing in my classroom and I torture my students with my singing. <laughs> they love it. Yes. But I like to, I, I like to have fun like that. You know, it's like, yeah. No, and it's good. It's good. And I, I can say this, you would not say this about yourself, but I can say this. It's what makes you such a phenomenal teacher because students need to know that it's okay, right? They need mm -hmm. to know that it's okay to make mistakes themselves, that we need humor, that we need to accept themselves because there's so much serious and sadness in the world. And so um, I, for one, am very grateful that we have teachers like you that are helping, helping our kiddos because um, they might not know it now. Some of them do, but um, they're going to definitely thank you down the road. So, um, well, thank you for being here with us today on Education with an Edge, Senora Skurlock. And um, we are so proud of you that all that you are doing to help our youth. So thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for your kind words, Miss Lane. And I hope that, you know, I hope the kids are inspired to yeah. hear this. I, I know that I know that they will be. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jaquellelane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Huda Media Production.